Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Animate Be All Rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Ali McBeal through our 2020 godforsaken eyeballs. <laughs> they are godforsaken. Oh, yes. God has forsaken us. Yes, yes. Uh, why? <laughs> Just falling to my knees. Why? Um, so, yeah, you know. <laughs> 2020, eh? What a bitch. It continues to be, as it ever was, quite a bitch. (laughs) It's just, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's different all around the world. But in the UK at the moment, people are, things are starting to open up. And I'm just not convinced that we're doing it in the safest way with the necessary precautions. So we're just going to be locked down again very shortly. And it's going to go on. Yeah, We're going to be like in out hokey cokey for like the next (laughs) year or so. I don't think it's ever going to end. Out, in, out, in, out, shake it all about. (laughs) Yes, that's what it's, that's what life is going to be like for the foreseeable future. And it's just quite frustrating, really. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, like, um, I think what's concerning is like I go out and I'm one of the few people that's wearing like a mask. Um, yeah, same. And yeah, people, I think, yeah, the opening up of places has meant people have just gone, oh, okay, so we're fine, yeah? Like, it's over now. Don't need to wear a mask. Just, yeah, Don't need like, to worry no, about anything. Nothing has changed. We do not have a cure. We do not have a vaccine. Like, it is just as dangerous as it was before. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, eat out to help out. It's yeah. <laughs> what the government are telling us. We just Get have your to use our off. common sense. Like, we don't have yeah. any. You know, the last five years has proven anything. The British public, of all publics, do not have any common sense. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Ugh. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess uh, one piece of news that is a good spot in amongst all of the craziness is that um, if anyone of our listeners follows me on my personal social media, they will probably know this already, but I'm having a baby in <laughs> January next year. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's baby. something. <laughs> bygones baby yeah i'm like elaine i'm you know except i didn't just find my baby on the street and no one's gonna come and claim it back from me it's actually been grown uh you know homegrown (laughs) it's in the process of being baked at the moment um and yeah no that's coming next year so maybe by the time the baby gets here things will be better but then also they could be much worse so whatever but you know we're hopeful that this won't impact bygones um or trying to minimize the impact on our production of bygones as much as possible because it's super fun for both of us and it is um you know we're gonna keep producing season three um you know as as planned um but obviously as we get towards my due date in jan um things might change a little bit so um, we will let you know what changes will happen and when so that you'll be have plenty of notice and um, understand. And, and I hope know. you guys understand why. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> 
But, you know, Laura Jane, you must always, uh, you know, keep in mind that bygones is your first baby. Your true first baby. Yes. I, yeah. If my actual baby is crying and I'm in the middle of recording with you, I'm going to be like, just pipe down. I And stop being so vicious. Bygones. I have a podcast baby to run. And the podcast was here first. So, yeah. It was. My rights. That's how it works. Um, so yeah, so that's the big news from my side. Any yeah. news from you? Uh, well, uh, I might be getting married this year, maybe, depending on what. what uh, um, yeah, we just don't know. We just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't know right now. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll be married by the end of this year, but maybe not. Yeah, you'll be I'll married by the posted. time the baby comes here. <laughs> I know it's it's hard to tell. It really Basically, is. everyone's playing everything by ear, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully, we come back in out of this year in one piece. Yeah, married, <laughs> babies, or whatever. Here's hoping. So, so today we are talking about episode twelve, season three, um, in search of pygmies. Is it a reference to a film or a book title or it's just an odd title? I mean, I know what the title's referring to in the course of the episode, but like In Search of Pygmies is like an odd way of phrasing it. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. In Search of... But yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. But In Search of Pygmies aired 14th of February 2000. (laughs) 2000. So that's um, Valentine's Day. Yes, Valentine's Day. First Valentine's of the millennium, the new millennium. Do you remember what you were doing that year? Uh, No. (laughs) Just going to school. Just going to school. (laughs) Going to our all-girls school. Yeah. (laughs) Trying not to to get any attention from any boys. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the Naughties, the other decade more problematic than it looks. UK number one and the US number one do not change. So UK number one is oh, still Gabrielle sake. and I told Rise. you it was all those guys buying records for <laughs> Valentine's yes, Day yeah. gifts or like commiserating in their single status gifts. Yeah, I reckon like, you're right. That's what it is. Yeah. And the US number oh, one we get is some... still Savage Garden and I Knew I Loved You. Yeah, I hope we get um, some sort of spring-summer bops coming in soon because I can't <laughs> stand all this lousy ballad shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> not your jam. No, not my jam. <laughs> um, 11th of February, uh, The Beach is released. The I film. went to see that at the cinema. I've never seen The Beach. I've never oh, seen it. Oh, it's obviously, uh, it's not Leonardo DiCaprio's best film, but um, he's very hot in it. And <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed it. And it's it's not a bad film. I just don't think it's the most amazing film he's ever done. I think the only reason it did as well as it did was because everyone was so thirsty for him after Titanic. Absolutely. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had a huge. Fan the only following. only reason Man in the Iron Mask certainly was uh, anything to write home about. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, the beach had a great soundtrack as well with All Saints. Yeah, and... Pure Shores. Yeah, that was great. I'm I love that song. I'm coming, can you hear what I hear? <laughs> Calling you, my dear, out of reach. Take me Take to, me my, to beach. my beach. Yeah, so awesome. good. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 15th of February, uh, it, um, 2000. Um, now, I don't remember this because this is on American TV, but it just made me chuckle oh. quite a lot. So, in American <laughs> TV... Rick Rockwell marries stranger Darva Conjure, watched by 22 million viewers on Fox reality show Who Wants to Marry a Multimillionaire. While he oh. and Darva are honeymooning, it becomes apparent that Rockwell, who is sometimes a comedian, had a restraining order against a former girlfriend, and he was not really a multimillionaire. As what? a result, Fox cancels a rerun schedule the next week and does not broadcast any new installments. In addition, the couple end their relationship soon after the show's taping. Which I just what thought the was hell? hysterical. Like, you didn't even check if this guy was a multi-millionaire <laughs> before you it's put like, him on your show. You had one job. One find job. a multi-millionaire <laughs> to be the star of the show. <laughs> it's really fucking funny. I was just like, what That's the hilarious. Fuck? How could you cock that up so badly? It's really, really funny. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. <laughs> and uh, lastly, the last thing I've got is um, the, on 19th of February 2000, EastEnders celebrates its 15th anniversary on BBC One. And I celebrated my 15th anniversary a month later because <laughs> I was born the same year that EastEnders started. So There yeah. you go. Yes. And by that, I mean birthday, obviously. I don't celebrate the anniversary <laughs> of being born. Just my birthday. <laughs> You're like, I am a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, happy anniversary to me. <laughs> no, that would be crazy. Don't be silly. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's get into searching for some pygmies, I, I guess, because <laughs> that's what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the episode starts. We hear a song being played as we pan, the camera pans onto a, um, a, a traffic-filled, busy Boston street. Um, and the song is a song called Beachwood 45789 by the Marvelettes. And Ali is listening to it in her car radio and she's singing along as she stops in traffic, which I very much relate to because I do the same thing when I used to have a car. Um, and then she notices a cute guy in the car that has pulled up alongside her, um, watching her like bop along. And this guy like gives her a smile and she kind of looks straight ahead and she sort of smiles to herself like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And then she decides to like take her sunglasses off off in a seductive way and she glances back and what she sees instead of the cute guy is a really old elderly man who sort of gurns his dentures at her and there's this like record scratch and Ali looks horrified but then her sort of gaze lands on the wing mirror of the car in front of her and she can see a cute guy reflected there as well and Isn't the, it, the, the episode same cute no, guy? 
it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that the first guy was the same as... Are you sure? Yeah. I'm going to check that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to check that. It's the same guy. I don't think... I'm just going to rewatch the beginning. Hang on. Wait. Yeah, do so, but I'm right. <laughs> I'm watching it now. I'm watching it now. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So she pulls up and she's singing and she's bopping her head and oh yeah it is you're right yeah, you're right I see. I oh you. i see i misunderstood that so wait a minute oh, so she get that wrong oh it's because the cars moved in front yes oh <laughs> what did you say okay i thought she was hallucinating again to be fair to me she does that quite a lot <laughs> to be fair to me I think we should always be fair to me. Um, I think I think you're the only person I know that uses the phrase to be fair to me. <laughs> I don't I know. Think everyone should use else it more often. phrase to be kind to themselves because we all make mistakes and let's be fair about it to ourselves um that's my story and i'm sticking to it (laughs) i just thought it was a normal thing to say (laughs) you're the only one i know (laughs) well now i understand what's happened um let me go back so back thinking oh yeah I'll flirt with him but but as you've pointed out actually what happens is that car disappears so she ends up looking at the car that was on the other side of that car yeah it's an old man um and then she looks forward and she sees that the guy that she had seen was has now pulled in front of her yeah so that that makes I guess more sense um (laughs) then the traffic light turns green and the cars move forward and the cute guy in front speeds away around the corner and she sort of follows him at a normal speed like of course the only half decent guy I meet flees the scene and I was like Ali you haven't met him like you literally just (laughs) looked at him you've just been in his vicinity So they pull up in front of the next red light and he's in front of her still and she's sort of willing him to look back in his mirror and then she's like, well, are you married? And she's like all offended because she's like, she gave him car smile for God's sake. And she's still (laughs) thinking out loud and she kind of decides that, oh, what the hell? Life is short and it's Valentine's Day. And then she just rams her car into the back of him to get his attention and this is my because i am like (laughs) you cannot just cause a car accident to chase some tail that is not cool (laughs) like that is dangerous you don't know like if you're acting on such an impulse like that it's like a pedestrian could have got in the way like i just i cannot believe could have gone wrong from her doing that i don't know she doesn't know the the condition his car is in like something could have you burst open and like what's it like it's just so reckless and dangerous and selfish and i was just like no ali no so i objected (laughs) at this point no i think that's fair like uh 
it's completely deranged to do something like that. Yeah. So after that, we're in titles. And I calmed down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So after titles, Ali is trying to get her flirt on with this guy that is understandably annoyed that she's just destroyed the back (laughs) of his car. Um, Now, the cute guy is played by an actor called Craig Birko or Birko, who has he's been in a few movies, but I know him mostly as a character called Chet from a show called Unreal. I don't know if you've heard me talk about Unreal before, but it was a great show. A few it ended a couple of years ago, um, and it ran for three seasons um, about a fictional bachelor-style reality TV show. Um, And it was written by people who actually worked on The Bachelor. So even though it's like quite fantastical and it's like there's like murder and scandal and all this kind of stuff going on. um, But some of the kind of reality of how shows like that are made is grounded in real experience, which I find super interesting. Obviously it's heightened for drama, but um, it's, you know, there's grains of truth there. And it was just really well done. If you didn't watch it, I would highly recommend it. It's got Shiri Appleby in it, who was in Rockwell. Um, and uh, Constance Zimmer, who was in, oh God, loads of other stuff. I recognise um, that name. Yeah, Constance Zimmer was in, um, she's been in House of Cards. She was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was in The Newsroom, Grey's Anatomy, Entourage, Boston Legal. Um, but yeah, so Constance Zimmer's really good in it as well. But um, yeah, Chet, um, the guy that... Uh, the, the character that Craig Birko plays, who's mm. in this episode of Animate Bill, is like this, um, he looks so different um, in in Unreal because obviously it's like 20 years later. Mm. He's like, plays this like middle-aged, like Lothario executive producer that's like overweight and like just like a bit of a creep. Um, but obviously in this, he's like young and like a super like hot like heartthrob type guy yeah. um, and it's just really funny to see the the two because I only know him as an older actor see, so I'm just I, like oh <laughs> yeah see I recognized him from he was in Sex and the City um for an episode I think um I think he plays the guy that Carrie dates who's like I don't know how well you know Sex and the City but um, yeah, I know it quite well. Uh, the the one that's really into like jazz, and um, who she dates briefly. I think it's only for an episode she dates him. Um, oh, and I think I don't he, remember him in that. I think he's the one that yeah is really into jazz and plays like bass in a jazz band and like um, she has. I think it's one of those. She's he's like really good in bed, but like that's all there is to him yeah and like yeah. Harry's trying to make her a relationship out of of you know with this guy and realizing that they absolutely have nothing in common they just have yeah, yeah, sex. yeah. like um so yeah I, I recognize him from that episode I don't he must have looked more like this yeah, in Sex and the City did. than he yeah. did because it's uh, Sex and City only went a couple of years after this yeah. didn't it so he yeah must have been, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's definitely did, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so um, 
Anyway, Ali is like misspeaking all over the place saying like, well, we should exchange fluids. Uh, I mean, papers. Um, And this guy just isn't having any of it. And he kind of calls her out on doing it on purpose to try and get his attention. And Ali's like, no, but she's still being all like coy and flirty. Um, Meanwhile, across town, we witness Richard stalking Ling. I know. As, and I'm like, you're not even dating anymore. What the hell is this? Why but anyway, her? yeah, she's she's walking down the street, um, and then she presses the button for the crossing so that she can cross the street. Um, but they aren't changing fast enough for busy old Ling. <laughs> she's like, oh, for God's sake, why is this light not changing? She's like looking at her watch, and then so she just puts on some sunglasses and produces like she presses a button on a a white kind of and uh, a black stick and like, a, a white cane comes out like a lightsaber and she just kind of steps into the traffic pretending to be blind, blind. which she's causing cars to like emergency brake and like chaos all around and Richard is really shocked and runs after her and the cars are like less sympathetic to him, obviously. And then he's like, Ling, Ling, until she like stops and turns. Um, and they're on the other side of the street and he calls her out of that kind of dirty trick. And she's like, oh, what? It's not like any blind people saw me. <laughs> like, uh... oh. And then Richard wants to know where she's going um, because she, apparently she sneaks out of the office every Wednesday without telling anyone where she's going. And he wants to know. She doesn't want to tell him, but eventually she goes, oh, okay, I go dancing. And Richard assumes that that means that she's seeing another man. And Ling's like, no, it's not what you're thinking. And Richard is like, woman, poodle. (laughs) And she's like, no. (laughs) And then Ling like gives it up and it's like, come and see for yourself. Like, come with me. What is the actual advantage to do? I mean, apart from it being a terrible thing to pretend you have a disability when you don't. Like, I'm just like, (laughs) what is the advantage here? Like, you could very easily get run over doing what you just did. Like, I don't know why you think it's an advantage to pretend to be blind and just walk into the road. Like, I just... Well, I think she thinks it means she doesn't have to wait for the crossing to change. (laughs) But that's just silly. Yeah, just... Yeah. Stop being a cowardling and cross the road when you... Like, if you want to cross the road, like... In that way, stop being a coward and like trying to hide behind pretending because people to be blind. would still break. Yeah, like they're not about to run, run someone over. over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I'm just like, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's really yeah, horrible. It was bizarre. I mean, it was just there to be like a cheap gag. Yeah, um, but yeah, not great. Um, so back with Ali and her target. Like he is like stretching his neck out from side to side as though it hurts and Ali is like using it as an opportunity to find out you know what he does for a living and and whether he's married and he's like okay so you definitely did hit me on purpose like why on (laughs) earth would I want to go out with someone who rams her car into me and Ali's like and Ali's like oh okay I'm beginning to wish you'd been a pedestrian and in her voice you can tell she's like given up the flirty act and it's just like look I'll just pay your insurance deductible or like whatever and then he threatens to call the police because she might do it to someone else 
And Ali gets all defensive, like, hang on a minute. You were cute. I'm almost 30. What do you expect me to do? And also, there are so many men who would be happy for me to do this because although cute guys are rare, good girls are nearly extinct. I'd have you wrapped around my finger with one date. And he's like, you are crazy. And she's like, here's a tip the best women are and snarls and like walks away and he's just looking there's this weird shot where he looks back at her like he's like well I'm convinced what a classy board and I'm like such a stupid thing like because she's basically like hey I'm 30 and single when I see a cute guy I'll mow down a hundred people to get a date with him and besides those people (laughs) would love to have me mow them down because I'm that goddamn hot and you're just scared of how hot I am and that's why you won't date me because I'm a hot crazy good girl we're the best and you love it (laughs) and he's like you are correct (laughs) I do and I'm like do you though (laughs) I don't know any man who would be like well sign me up that is really pushing my buttons It's like, it's like David E. Kelly is like trying to write a manic pixie dream girl, but like going at it all wrong. She's yeah. coming across as like an absolutely insane. Manic nightmare girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, bizarre. So later on, a fabulous uh, grey-haired elderly black lady is singing the Chattanooga Choo Choo, I can't say it, um, (laughs) at a like a community hall type space. Um, The elderly people are all having a dance um, there. By the way, did you notice it went tonight? Because I was yes. like, how long did it take for Ling and Richard to get yes, your dance? I did notice. <laughs> like, That's why I said it later. Was, it was the morning and now suddenly it's night time. <laughs> well, it was Wednesday afternoon. Richard said she always slinks off Wednesday afternoon. Uh, okay. And it is February, so I guess. But yeah, you're right. It did go from like broad sunshine to <laughs> pitch black. Um, but yeah, so Ling and Richard walk in. Um, and as soon as all of the men there see Ling, they all like just ditch their partners and start <laughs> clamoring for her attention. And she's like, all right, all right. Everyone will get a turn. Don't worry. And then one old man comes up and she's really excited to see him. And she introduces him to Richard as Marty. And Marty is her best friend. <laughs> Bye now. now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nell's like, ooh, in the corner. <laughs> now, um, Marty is played by um, an actor called Orson Bean, who has been in so many things. Um, I think I know him best as Roy from Desperate Housewives, but you'll probably have seen him in lots of other things as well. Um, and he sadly died earlier this year in February. Ooh. So um, RIP Orson Bean, but I'm glad we get to see his work today um so marty says to ling that um he's really tired so he's actually gonna leave soon to go to bed um but he has arranged for um our song so the song i guess they always dance to to be played up front so that ling can dance with him before he goes and apparently they've been dancing together for eight years and the song starts and it's uh, They Were You from the musical The Fantastics, which I've actually never seen. But um, no. I think I think Vonda's used uh, a song from The Fantastics before in, in Animate Bill, if I remember con- correctly. But yeah, I've never actually seen the musical. Mm. Um, but anyway, Ling, um, they start dancing 
and um, Ling asks why he's so tired. And he's like, no, I'm not going to talk about this during our song. First we dance and they dance very, very sweetly together. Nice old people dancing. Yay. <laughs> um, so all the while, Richard is holding court with the older ladies and demonstrating how much he loves their wattles. And he even goes so far as to extend one poor woman's arm and just jiggling her triceps saying, here's what I really love, a little tricep wattle here. And these women are playing it like they're loving it, but I am just not convinced by this I'm writing. Like... I don't think any woman would be like, oh, thank you for jiggling my arm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Please leave these poor women alone, Richard. Like, I know. Like, <laughs> like, he's just, like, going from one to the other, just, like, touching under their necks. Oh. And I, I do not believe that, no matter how old I get, I will never want that kind of attention no, from a creepy no. guy like Richard. Uh, absolutely not. Ugh, cat hiss. So... Ling and Marty just keep dancing. (laughs) And eventually Ling asks again what the matter is. And Marty says that he's he's being kicked out of his nursing home because um, his stories are agitating all the other residents. And he's got two weeks before he needs to find somewhere else to live. So cut to Ling marching straight down to a woman called Lucy Taylor's office and she's the lady who is running the nursing home and Ling is marching down there to argue with her about the decision and Lucy says that well her problem is is that half the residents can't sleep and she points out one guy Walter who is just wandering the halls with a baseball bat and they're like why do you have this baseball bat and he's like well it's to defend myself in case they attack and by they he's like well pygmies of course and Marty has told them that they have pygmies and Walter just goes and if Marty says it it's so yeah okay and so the next day, Ling has come to John's office to tell him about this situation. Um, and John is John is mostly confused because he says pygmies are a peaceful people. <laughs> so he doesn't understand the concepts of the story in the first place. Um, but Richard is uh, reviewing the nursing home contract, which um, apparently does state that you can be asked to leave. But Ling counters that there has to be good faith, at least. You know, it's a nursing home. Where else is he going to go? Um, and John simply just says that he believes that he was a pygmy in a prior life. <laughs> okay, John. Sure, John. Um, so Ling just says that she's managed to get a hearing and that she wants John on it because he's it's a funny little case. Um, and Richard asks if Marty really believes this stuff. And Ling says that she's not sure, but she thinks he just likes telling the stories and making an imaginary world for everyone else. Um, and then John's like, what is your relationship with this man? And Ling says that she met him taxi dancing, which I'm not sure what taxi dancing is. But yeah, I'm not. I don't know. Um, but they hit it off and she vol- she was volunteering to do that when she was in college. And Richard just stares at her and Ling goes, look, I like old people. Sue me. <laughs> but first um, she wants to sue the, the home. And then she walks off and John just turns to Richard and goes, pygmies are definitely a peaceful people it's the aborigines that are vicious and i was like sure so this is my objection Um, okay because i mean 
I would bet good money that John has never in his life met an Indigenous Australian. And this is just blatant racism. Like, he might as well have referred to Indigenous people as savages. Like, I know. I just... Why on earth David E. Kelly thinks being a massive fucking racist is, like, a cool and funny personality trait for a character we're supposed to like? Like, it's just beyond me. Well, this whole episode is a bit problematic in uh, that way because yeah, when we see really the is. depiction of the pygmies that... Um, Yes. Uh, Marty is, is telling stories about I mean savages is the right word for yes. what we see on the screen and actually that's really problematic because it's, it's pro- just like a ridiculous cartoon like depiction racist the cartoon like depiction yes, of absolutely. a people that I, I don't believe westerners have ever really tried or certainly um, people at this time have tried to really get to know and understand you know their yeah. cultural traditions and stuff like that so they've just seen them and gone Oh, yes, like the um, colonial explorers before us, they must be savages because they have spears. Do you know what I mean? And they've got face paint on. Yeah, like it's ridiculous. It's horrible, Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Elsewhere in the office, Ali and Elaine are walking through uh, the complex and they stop dead in their tracks because cute car guy, um, Dennis, is there asking for Ali. Um, and he's he's here because he wants to apologise for overreacting, and Ali is surprised. Overreacting? (laughs) No, no, Dennis, you really weren't. Um, So, but Ali is is surprised, especially when he calls her a beautiful woman and asks her to go to dinner. And Elaine obviously immediately jumps in and says, "I'll go," (laughs) and like presses herself up against him. And Ali says to Elaine, um, "Like, don't you have something to do?" And Elaine's like, like drool. And she she doesn't leave. She just stays there stays staring there. at Dennis. Um, and Ali agrees to the dinner. So lucky Judge Walsh has got Ling's nursing home case, as I am sure he is thrilled about. <laughs> so Lucy is uh, testifying on the stand um, to the defense that she can't just tell her other residents that the stories aren't true because she basically can't compete with Marty's imagination. He's like, he's such a good storyteller that it's really hard not to believe him. Um, And she mentions an example of his stories, um, one about the long-faced ghost, which is a ghost with a long face, um, which is a ghost of a man who had apparently been murdered in a nursing home and had his dentures stolen. And as she's talking about this, Marty's like smirking. Um, And apparently this ghost searched searches for his dentures like every night going from home to home looking into the mouths of sleeping residents and she was like what he i know (laughs) and she was like when uh marty told this story like half the residents wanted to sleep with the lights on um and then she says last week i walked into the hallway and he'd organized drag races for the wheelchair patients um which we get a delightful flashback scene of of all these like patients in wheelchairs like having the time of their life i mean that looks like legit fun (laughs) i know (laughs) they look like they're having a great time um and then lucy is particularly scathing about the nude olympics which um there's lots of residents from the nursing home in the courtroom watching the watching the case and they're they're all chuckling when she mentions the nude olympics so Ling crosses and points out that, um, you know, Marty's actually given a lot to the home. He organises the dances. um, He sings and plays piano every Thursday. And Lucy 
agrees and says, you know, he's a very nice man and I'm I'm very fond of him. Uh, and Ling's like, ah, oh, yes, when you throw someone out of the street, the root of it is usually fondness. <laughs> Lucy says that that's not fair because actually she thinks there is a bigger issue and it's not just that he's telling stories it's that he actually believes the things that he's saying. And if that is the case, the nursing home is not the place for him to get the treatment and the help that he needs. And Lucy also points out that the stories are actually quite dangerous to the patients that they do have living there with dementia. And it's basically become impossible for her to run a nursing home with him doing this. Mm. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what um, Marty made me think of? He made me think of our granddad. <laughs> like someone who just loves telling stories and like just has this like overactive imagination and like that everyone's hangs off of every word do you know what I mean I just could really see granddad doing that when he's in a nursing home (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was really funny yeah Um, I get that so um, Ali is on her date with Dennis at a really fancy restaurant um, with you know light piano happening and like lovely glasses of red wine as they choose what is they're gonna gonna eat um and she finds out that he's a research oncologist which is like the gold standard of jobs you can possibly have (laughs) because he basically cures she's like basically you're cute and you cure cancer um and he says that he doesn't have a girlfriend. And I was like, well, I would hope not if you were on a date with Ali. Like, <laughs> um, But also he says that he doesn't get out much because dating scares him. And then Ali makes a flirty joke that, well, it's no more dangerous than, say, driving a car. And at this, Dennis starts sniggering. And then he starts sort of, I don't know how to describe this. We're going to have to put in the audio, (laughs) but it's like a snort. He's like snorting and laughing like intermittently. And he just like keeps going. Like it's like part pig, part donkey. (laughs) And Ali is of course alarmed. stops um she she changes the subject like oh let's you know we need to order um and then he asks her if she's ever hit anyone with her car before and she's she's kind of back to flirty mode saying no it was the first time um and no man has ever rear-ended me either um as like another flirty joke and this like just sets dennis (laughs) off again and everyone in the restaurant is looking at this like man with the bizarre laugh (laughs) (laughs) is like hugely embarrassed and I'm sure mentally crossing him off her husband to be this. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can see it in her eyes. Like, it's like, it's over. <laughs> yeah, I've got the ick. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> yeah, but she also tries to get him to stop by like dabbing his mouth with her napkin. <laughs> well, I, I, that. I thought she was trying to put the napkin in his, in mouth. his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> like, I thought that up. as well. <laughs> Because I, I could have understood it if she was doing that, but she wasn't. She was just like, oh, we've got crumbs. And I was like, what? That's not going to help. I think she's trying to like muffle it. Like, <laughs> she, yeah. But, he but in the end, he like doesn't. She's just trying to force her napkin down <laughs> her throat. 
But it also doesn't work. So then she just like lifts the menu up in front of her face so that nobody can see her. Um, and the scene kind of fades out with these like echoes of Dennis's snorts. Um, yeah. So the next day, Ali is debriefing with Elaine about the terrible laugh. And she says it was like a cow giving birth. <laughs> Then she said she spent the rest of the day talking about anything serious just so he wouldn't laugh. And all the things that she could think of to talk about were AIDS, the Holocaust, and Linda Tripp, who I don't know if you know who Linda Tripp was, um, because you probably haven't listened to Slow Burn yet, the Clinton. Um, no, I have. I have listened to that. Do you not she's, recognize her name from that? She's. And now you mention it, because at the time I was like, who's Linda Tripp? But I couldn't be bothered to look it up. Isn't she the woman that Monica Lewinsky like confided a load of stuff to and then she like was her recorded. friend? And but she, she recorded like, the conversation. Recorded the, yeah, yes. and like completely betrayed her. Exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So Ali thought she'd talk about that and the Holocaust and AIDS to try and get him to stop laughing. Um, and she also never wants to see him again. And Elaine is... Elaine is really sceptical because she's kind of like, oh, how bad could it be? He's a hot cancer doctor. Like, give him some slack. And Ali is like, you weren't... Yeah, yeah. the way Ali says this, she's like, it's almost like she's like, you weren't there, Elaine. It was really hard for me. And if you were there, you wouldn't have wanted to see him again either. (laughs) These things are always happening to me. Like, why can I not, you know, find someone who has a decent laugh? Um, But then a man arrives with an absolutely massive, like, like bouquet of flowers. Like, he's had to, like, wheel it in on a trolley. It's so huge. Um, And they're from Dennis. And and Ali just goes, oh, God, no. <laughs> oh dear. Amazing. So back in court, John is questioning one of the nursing home residents about whether or not she carries a laser gun. <laughs> and she says that she apparently does in order to shoot pygmies. And I was like, bloody hell. <laughs> Fucking hell. So racist. Why are you so fascinated by this? It's so weird. Um, yeah, but then anyway, she also explains that usually nursing homes are like these sterile, depressing places where old people are basically sent to wait to die. But because of Marty and his stories, their home is now a really exciting place where they can have adventures and, you know, fight dragons and hunt cannibals and dance and sing and have wheelchair races. And Marty just looks like all, oh, shucks, like from his seat, like really chuffed that he's making them so happy. Um, so next, Ling has, um, they're in the ante room and Ling is speaking to, to Marty saying that they want to put him on the stand. But John is saying that it's really important that he doesn't come across as, and then Richard just goes crackers and Ling just thumps Richard on the chest. And she explains that, you know, if they're making the case, um, uh, you know, if the other side are making the case that that you have more power over the residents than Lucy, then that's going to be a problem if you seem like you're, and Richard just goes crackers and Ling just thumps him again. Um, and John explains to Marty that because Lucy has testified that she can't control him, Marty needs to appear 
controllable basically before the yeah. judge um and ling asks marty if he can if he can do that and appear as one of those you know reasonable awful people for just one day and marty looks really distressed he's like oh i hate to waste even one day like Lord, how <laughs> yeah. terrible um and john just goes well if you don't your days at the home will be numbered so you know trust that yeah so you know he doesn't really have a lot of choice no so Back at Cajun Fish in the unisex, um, Ali is just moaning about Dennis to Nell and wondering whether it was the acoustics in the restaurant that made it sound worse than it was. <laughs> and Wishful she's thinking. kind of like trying to get Nell to sort of say to her that she should give him another shot. But then Elaine comes in saying that he's here. And Ali's like, ah, okay, um, why don't you send him into the unisex? Because then she's thinking she can hear him with like the echoey acoustics of the unisex and like get a good judgment on it. And then she asks Nell to stay so that she can like be a witness to the laughing and judge whether Ali's going crazy or not. And Nell just goes, well, I can tell you that now. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was really funny. Um, But then Elaine shows Dennis in and Ali introduces him to Nell. And then all of them are like stood in front of him trying to, trigger him, him to laugh. laugh yeah um and and you know it's not not really working like he's done a couple of like <laughs> like nothing nothing like, really like chuckles. tickled him yeah um yeah and then ali tries with this really like long-winded lame story about a client calling a judge a son of a bitch but it just falls completely flat yeah and so they're just like oh they start to give up and then elaine just says to him well now you see why she has to run a guy over to get a date and that does it like that comment the laboring cow beast has been awoken. <laughs> like he just, again, I can't even do an impression of it. We're going to no. have to insert the audio. <laughs> and all three women just look horrified. <laughs> Did you know what? Nell is even like clutching Ali's shoulder? Like she's so like horrified. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so <laughs> back at back at the courthouse, um, Ling is questioning Marty about his stories on the stand, and Marty is saying that a nursing home can take away your autonomy and your dignity, but never your imagination. And Ling asks him to try and get him to explicitly confirm that he realises that all of the fantastical things that he talks about, that he realises they don't really exist. And Marty just looks at the other residents in the courtroom and he sort of realises that they're like hanging on his every word and Mm. he sort of sighs and he says sadly that he knows he has to say that if he's not going to get kicked out. And Judge Walsh is like, really like come on we need to cut to the chase do you think you know are pygmies real and marty just looks at the residents and is like yes your honor they are very real indeed and the residents just burst into applause which judge walsh is like not happy about and tells them to be quiet um i will not have applause in my courtroom um and then he starts going on at marty that is starts going on about dragons and how you can outsmart them and travel in twos and threes and ling is just really exasperated and she's like to marty are you like do you want to get evicted are you trying Mm. to get evicted and marty's like no honey but i can't lie 
Yeah. And then we hear this sound of um, like angry voices, small people, angry voices. And Marty has this hallucination of a group of pygmies. And as we've alluded to before, they're depicted in a really very problematic way. They're like dancing Mm. baby cartoon style, but um, like little savages basically like um well, with they're, spears they're and like, like animalistic yeah, noises they're, they're depicted my note here is they're depicted like literal african demons with like tribal yeah, markings yeah. and on their faces and like they have glowing eyes like oh i didn't notice that yeah yeah, they, yeah. their eyes are glowing like they're yeah. proper like they look like demons yes and they're um they're like sort of gnashing their teeth at him and like wielding spears, spears. and yeah just yeah. you know not not human looking at all no um, and marty gasps and ling and the judge are like oh you know what's the matter what can you see and marty's like trying to brush it off like oh nothing don't worry but then he sees more of them coming closer like a pr- like running towards him in his stand and he just screams and jumps up and tries to kind of hide behind judge walsh and then one jumps onto the bench and Marty starts sort of clamoring at, at Judge Walsh, who is like, what, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. Hell off of me. Yeah. And Marty looks up and the hallucination is over and he sees nothing's there and he looks really confused and he just says, oh, I, I, I thought I heard them coming in. And John's face is like, well, this is game over. Like, we've completely yeah. lost. And Ling it's... just looks really confused to like, oh God, he really is sick. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, it's dawned on everyone that he actually yeah. might be quite unwell. Um, yeah. Yeah, like we said earlier, like, I get that this is supposed to be like a nightmarish vision an old man is getting and that his subconscious is going to be filled to the brim with like racist notions and ideas but the depiction of the pygmies are like super super problematic i found Um, it quite uncomfortable yeah and actually if you you take like pygmies have a really horrible horrible history of being treated like they are subhuman by both other african groups and colonists alike um yeah in the in the Republic of Congo, pygmies are still used as slaves to Bantu masters. Oh, um, yeah. And earlier, I mean, they talked about cannibals, and yeah. I I wondered whether they were grouping pygmies in with cannibals. I certainly feel like the way the pygmies yeah. are depicted there that that's like uh, accurate interpretation of what they're trying to yeah, say i think they were referring they were conflating those as being one and the same yeah which is horrible too especially as yeah. during the second congo war which which happened between 1998 and 2003 so when this show was on Mabuti right pygmies were actually hunted down and eaten like they were <sighs> animals like oh so goodness. that is what is happening to that that group of people while this and episode you're... is airing yeah and, and maybe you know i can believe it wasn't widely known at the time that this is what was happening to i don't to think them. it was at all but i just think like there were so many other options they had in regards to a nightmarish vision 
Marty could have oh, had. Oh, for sure. Like, because they talk yeah. about dragons, they talk about cyclopses. Yeah. Like, they could have literally made his hallucination anything, and there are yeah. plenty of scary mythical creatures you could have used, and instead you went with the shitty choice that further dehumanises a real group of people. Well, this um, is the thing. Like, they've chosen pygmies, and yes, I can believe that it wasn't widely reported, especially in America, who's quite um, insulated in terms of their news reporting. Um, and you know, they wouldn't have necessarily have known uh, just, you know, by keeping up with their regular news, national mm. news, that um, uh, that this war was going on. But if you have specifically chosen a race of people to put in your show, the very least responsibility that you have as the writer of said show uh, on that choice is to do some research about yeah. them and like be like, oh, hang on, is this... Is this okay? Should I should I be using this as the example as the as the choice here, given that they're going through a like a current war yeah. and being persecuted? Like yeah. is this the right thing to do? Yeah. And he didn't do any of that research and didn't think of that in the slightest. I think it to me, and this is just guesswork, but you know how um the dancing baby thing came about was because they found the gif online mm. and were like how can we get this in our show yeah. i wonder whether he found some funny in inverted commas um gif of those creatures whatever they're meant to be and just use that and, and said well we have to fit that into a storyline somewhere oh maybe we can make them pygmies do you know what i mean like, i don't know i i i think that's possibly giving them too much credit um, not that that's a lot of credit, but no, um, it's not. It, it's not, but I, I think it's probably still too much. Like, I, I think, no, I think it's this weird um, kind of uh, like I, I don't it's know where it ignorance. comes from. It's like it's, it's like absolute ignorance about well, like, a stereotype yeah, and not thinking creatures. through. Like he's grouped them in with cyclops and dragons. Yeah. Like, like they're they real are not people. Mythical creatures. They're they're no, real people. I think, but I think it's complete like, ignorance. It's like he thinks they're oompa loompas, and it's like yeah. no, they're not. Yeah, I know, I know. That's what I think. But I I think it's ignorance. I think it is uh, willful ignorance, and I think there's no excuse for it. Yeah, and it I, I it just. Yeah, it, it's a real, yeah, it feels a little bit, oh, he's a little, yeah, it feels like he's taking from, from like, he thinks they're mythical creatures. Like, that's what it feels yeah. like. And it's just yeah. like, don't, like, you're a fucking idiot if you think that yeah. that's one of the same things. But he thing. also doesn't, because he's had John specifically state that pygmies are a peaceful people. Yeah, so they know they're real. So I think maybe he's using the excuse of the fact that Marty is an older character and has this like prejudice towards pygmies because he maybe grew up thinking like Marty. It's conceivable that Marty grew up seeing pygmies as like this, like this, 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 you know, um, subhuman species of people which because of all the tales coming from people that went to africa that was what was said about them and they didn't yeah, understand the, they didn't take the time to understand there, them. yeah and so he it's conceivable that marty grew up with that Image. viewpoint in his yeah. head 
But that's what. But I, I think that's you, a lazy yeah. excuse for David but, to, to but take. This is it. This is it. I'm like, I get that. You know, you could explain it by he's an old man. He is, you know, racist ideas and notions in his head, and that's what his subconscious has bubbled up with. But the fact yeah. is that was put there by a writer who is not an old man um, and did not need to use them as his no, like didn't. nightmare, like this old man's no. nightmare. There's no good Absolutely reason not. for it. Um, and he, as you say, he mentioned lots of other ideas for characters that Marty uses in his stories that they could have used as an alternative to the one that they've focused, like pygmies, they've really focused in on, like they've got the yeah. hallucination around it. They've got the, it's in the fucking name of the episode title. Yeah. Like they could have, they could have changed that out to dragons. They could have changed it out to a cyclops. Like there's so many different choices that he could have made that wouldn't have been offensive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he went with the, the dehumanizing choice. <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> so yeah uh back in the ante room um ling is really frustrated because she's asking marty why he did that and marty just says that the residents were looking at him and they need to believe in dragons and pygmies and ghosts and i'm like you don't need to believe in pygmies they exist <laughs> like <laughs> They That's what I mean. Like, with or without not... your belief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, they need to believe in these things to make their lives like fun and interesting. And Ling points out that most of them don't actually think it's real. They just think that it's a fun game. But Marty says, yeah, but if they heard me deny it all, then there wouldn't be a game anymore. And John makes the point that, well, if you're kicked out, then the game's going to be over anyway because they're going to go back to being old people waiting to die. And Marty is just like, I saw their faces. They needed me. And Richard says softly, so you pretend for them. And Marty takes this sip of water and Ling goes up to him and says really softly that she she knows that he really did see the pygmies mm. and that he couldn't say that he did because they would think he was crazy. So he just covered by saying that he heard them. But she's like, you really saw them. This isn't just storytelling. And Marty just says nothing, but you can kind of hear him panting, like he's panicked. Yeah. And I just felt really sorry for Marty it's, then. Like, poor Marty. It's horrible. You know what? Like, I used to work in a care home, as you know. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. Um, you know... I would hear horrible things from residents, like, in the home of things they'd seen that were not there. Like, yeah. um, I looked after one resident who once told me that she looked out of her bedroom window once and saw a man in the garden digging her grave, um, <gasps> which was really disturbing. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, there was a resident that would see snakes would see snakes oh, coming after oh, her. Gosh. Like, um, it, it's really, you know, mental decline when you're old is a super scary, isolating thing. And it it's it's really not well understood. And it's not, they're not well care, cared for either. Mm. A lot of um, mm. uh, the time, like the the resources put into looking after the elderly is, is really... Um, yeah not not as it needs to be yeah 
So Ling, John and Richard have gone to Judge Walsh to try and convince him. Um, he's like packing up to go for the day, but they're trying to convince him to go with them to the nursing home now that evening. Um, and he's like, no, I'm going home. I've seen enough. Like Marty jumped on me to try and escape pygmies. Um, and Ling is pleading with him. And Richard just very seriously for Richard says, the issue you're deciding is whether he's a detriment to the nursing home. Seeing him in the environs of the home has to be dispositive of that issue. And Judge Walsh thinks, <laughs> Everyone looks and he's like, shocked that Richard yeah, but, has come up with the winning argument. <laughs> well, he's also come out with like a coherent sentence that yeah. makes sense. Um, but, but also, so that, that is what convinces Judge Walsh. So he's like, okay, fine, you get half an hour of my time. Um, and Richard is like, oh my God, Walsh actually brought something I had to say. And John is like, shh, like, he changes <laughs> his mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so then um, back at Cajun Fish, Dennis is waiting for Ali in her office to pick her up for another date. Um, and Ali is like, um, actually, can you sit down? Um, because obviously she wants to break up with him. So she starts off by saying how great he is. Like, he's really great, but it's not going to work out. And he's like, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts laughing, laughing as though it's a, as though it's a joke and and Ali's like oh my god he thinks I'm joking and he won't stop laughing ah so she just goes she just screams Dennis I'm dying and he's like what and he stops and Ali's like well obviously I'm not actually dying but I just needed you to stop laughing <laughs> oh my god Ali <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ <laughs> oh and she goes I'm serious I don't want to see you anymore and Dennis is like but why and she's like really trying not to say why, um, but he keeps pushing. And in the end, she just says, look, I think you have a horrible, obnoxious, disgusting laugh. <laughs> I'm like, you're going from trying to like spare his feelings to like driving that dagger in deep. Just like, for God's sake. No. <laughs> yeah, you could have just been like, I don't like your laugh. Like, you yeah. have to be like, it is horrible, obnoxious, and disgusting. disgusting. <laughs> like, calm down, love. <laughs> and Dennis is just really confused and, because he always thought he had a very infectious laugh. <laughs> 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 I don't know who the hell sold him that. Probably his mother. Oh, and then Ali says, well... I know I'm not your friend, but if I was, I would say, never laugh again for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Ali's so shit. And then Dennis is like, but hang on a minute. You were so desperate for a date that you ran into me with your car, but you're not so desperate that you could put up with and then Dennis thinks that's really funny hilarious. as he's like mid-sentence. He's like, hang on a minute, this is hilarious. And he starts to laugh and <laughs> Ali is horrified because she's like, ah, stop, make it stop. And then he just says goodbye. And then as he leaves, you can hear him just snorting to himself as he leaves. <laughs> I mean, it is... God, you can he has a funny side, Dennis. <laughs> But he has a point. Like, oh my God, this woman, like yeah. she's so Absolutely. like thirsty for some kind of attention that she causes a fucking traffic accident. Yet when a guy isn't like a hundred percent, like I'm not saying that I could date a guy with a laugh like that, but no, she is ridiculous. Yeah, she absolutely is. I, But yeah, I liked that his, his reaction was to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that's funny. Good for him. Yeah, so, exactly. 
At the nursing home, uh, Marty is playing on the piano, so it must be Thursday, um, and he's singing for the other residents. And he's singing a song called Once Upon a Time, which is from another musical I don't really know called All American. Um, and Ling, Richard, John, um, Lucy, the nursing home manager, and uh, Judge Walsh are all watching. And Lucy um, is just saying to Judge Walsh that, you know, I'm obviously I'm not denying that he's popular and I'm not saying he's not a wonderful man, but I have to consider the other residents. And uh, Judge Walsh looks like he's, you know, touched by the performance and, you know, can see how much all the residents are are enjoying it. Um, and they leave the room and go out into the hallway and Judge Walsh has decided. He says that... He agrees that if he was running the home, he would probably try and find a way to let Marty stay. But he says that he's not running the home and actually neither is anyone else. Lucy is. So it should be her decision. And if she feels that she has to evict Marty because the welfare of the other residents is in compromise, then that is her right. Yeah. Then all of the lights go off. And Lucy goes, you know, it's 7.30. That means it's time to hunt pygmies. Um, And Marty comes out with all the other residents and they're all wearing like hats with torches on like miners do. Um, And they're all kind of spreading out and like staying in twos and threes and I don't know, wielding baseball bats or whatever it is they're doing. Um, And Ling manages to kind of pull Marty aside um, and asks him if uh, he would come and live with her. Um, so, you know, um, because she needs protecting from dragons as well. And um, he can come and visit here as often as he wants to. And Marty just realizes what this means. And he just looks really upset saying that, you know, I just wanted to give them something. And and who's going to take care of them now? Um, so Marty has left. Uh, the home with Ling and they are walking um, along with Richard and John down the street and Richard is checking with Ling if she's sure that she can do this and Ling just says well where else is he gonna go and Marty's asking whether or not he can appeal um, to John and then he just says well maybe I should just start my own nursing home Um, yeah maybe that's what I'll do and then he jumps he's like he's startled by something because he can see a pygmy who has run past him and growled and then behind him just run behind a bin Mm. and everyone is like what's the matter um and marty again tries to brush it off like oh nothing nothing i haven't no don't worry Mm. um and then he just looks behind him and from where that last pygmy just ran a massive group of these like growling pygmy caricatures come towards him with spears and they're like screaming and Marty is absolutely petrified and he just screams and runs out into the street and Ling is alarmed and she's like Marty no no like stop and but it's too late and we just get this slow motion of John Richard and Ling looking on in horror and Ling just screaming no as we hear this car squeal And then there's a thud and Marty is on the ground in the middle of the street and Ling um, screams again and she's just 
she runs to help. Yeah, I wish they hadn't done that fucking slow motion because it really like took me out of the moment. Do you know what I mean? I, oh, completely. It's so like such a bad choice completely finish the scene and then we'll talk about it yeah so marty is on the ground in the middle of the street and ling screams no again and it's it's just runs over to help him and she's um but richard pulls her away and she's just like absolutely beside herself you know uh, wailing and and really upset and john is telling the driver of the car to call an ambulance whilst he's kind of just gently checking marty over and marty's just lying completely still Still, on the ground not moving good one guys he was in your care for like five seconds i know right um but yeah yeah. this was so like cliche and cheesy like what is clearly like it's meant to be an emotional scene and it just doesn't play at all because it's not it's not earned in any way like i don't believe marty is ling's best friend of eight years and also so i'm not like that emotionally invested but also like you say, it's done in such a terrible way. Like yeah. the, the whole slow motion. Like they do it twice. They don't just do it once. They do it twice. Where yeah, Ling she screams, goes no twice. No! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you hear like, <laughs> and he drops. Yeah. And she's like, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, oh my fucking god, this is terrible. But I mean, I th- I think it's just does a disservice to Lucy Liu particularly Absolutely. because she's she's acting a little heart out in this. And actually, for any emotion that they did get from me at the end of this episode, it was purely down to her performance and not yeah. how they decided to cut that together. I, I just that think was like you, there's only so much you can do with shit writing like there yeah, really is yeah. like and yeah. ju- so just having your character scream no no yeah. and then being like let's let's put a slow motion like thing on yeah. that like i'm just yeah like, what the fuck man like, i know i know like uh the practice melodrama like um, yeah it is the practice in the yeah, courtroom like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. unfair surprise <laughs> um so yeah yeah. it just seriously it just it it hit an emotional bum note there like yeah it was a shame because it could have been otherwise impactful but yeah yeah next um, we're at the hospital and um, I think it's the next morning um, because I think we saw a daylight sort of uh, establishing shot and, and John and Ling and Richard are sleeping on each other's shoulders in the waiting room so they've obviously been there all night since they brought him in and doctor um, the doctor I should say doctor yeah <laughs> and then a doctor comes up and waits for them to wake up and when they do they kind of just sort of they're getting up and they're like rubbing their eyes to hear what the doctor has to say um, and the doctor says it's not good news uh, he's alive but he has significant brain damage and his spine has been crushed and he's been put on a respirator. Um, but if he does live, he will be just completely paralyzed yeah. and unable to think. Um, 
and Ling is, um, she seems quite calm at first because she's like, I want to know who the neurologist is. And the doctor's like, yeah, okay. But then she's like, and also like, you need to go back and you need to like work harder. And she's getting more and more het up. She's like, you need to work harder instead of giving up on him just because he has no money or family. You know, if you try, he will fight back. You can't just give up like that. And she's just, you know, really in a bit of worked herself up into a state and Richard tries to rub her shoulders and calm her down, but she just, you know, she's just completely distraught and she just goes, no, and she storms off. Yeah, she's very upset. (sighs) So... Meanwhile, at Cajun Fish, uh, Dennis arrives again. I thought we'd seen the last of Dennis, but we have not. No. Um, This time, he is wearing a neck brace. um, (laughs) And he's brought along his brother, Donald, who is also his lawyer. lawyer. And... Ali um, is, uh, says hello and is quite confused as Dennis very happily hands her a summons and says that Ali deliberately hurt him from behind and that, what do you know, he woke up this morning and it hurt to laugh. And Ali is like, <laughs> oh, you have got to be kidding me, as Billy and Nell come up. And Billy asks what's going on and Elaine fills him in. And Nell's like, but, but you know, you denied any injury as I understand it and his brother's like well you see neck injuries are tricky and (laughs) Ali says Dennis should be ashamed of himself and Nell is like okay why don't we just go into a conference room and make this go away and Ali just yells that she is not paying him a penny and Nell's like Ali (laughs) let's go like you know just taking charge of the situation yeah Over at the hospital, John has been trying to find out more from the doctors and he comes back over to report back to Ling and Richard. Um, And as he's walking over to Ling and Richard, we see that some of the other residents have arrived and are Mm -hmm. waiting for news in the in the waiting room. And they're kind of all looking quite anxious. And John tells Ling that um, three more neurologists have checked him over. And he's he's not coming back. And Ling doesn't take this well because she's just refusing to accept that this is it. She's like, no. And John is like, the respirator is the only thing that is keeping him alive, if you can call it that. And apparently, Marty named Ling trustee of his affairs in his will. And Ling realizes what that means because she says, Uh, I'm never going to pull the plug on him, if that's what you're asking. You know, medical science might come up with a way to repair his brain in a year or in six months. And um, the lady resident who was called to testify in the case earlier overhears Ling saying this, and she asks to speak to Ling and pulls her aside. And she just says to Ling that she knows that Marty spoke to Ling about what would happen if this day ever came. Um, And apparently he used to talk about it with all of them. And he used to say that he didn't want to live on a machine. Um, It's what they're all the most afraid of. And and this is a man who liked to fight dragons. And then Ling laughs sort of through her sadness. And the woman says, you know, he could stare down a cyclops. Let him be with God, honey. He loved you so much. And I know you loved him. He needs you to help him now. And Ling just sort of looks at her and she looks really sad. Yeah. But also like she's clearly uh, absorbing the weight of what she has to do. Yeah. Um, and I just cannot imagine being confronted with that <sighs> situation. No. Like yeah. it's a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah, absolutely. So back at Cajun Fish, um, turns out 
Dennis is asking for 25 grand and Ali is like, what? And she's like, is that how much you get per breakup? You must be rich. And Dennis is like, huh, funny. And he starts to laugh and everyone's like, no, 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 it's not funny. <laughs> like, stop him laughing. And Billy just goes, well, this does seem vindictive. And Ali just starts to have a meltdown saying that, you know, I want to sue him for malicious prosecution. And that I think that, you know, he wanted me to hit him. It was pretty convenient how he oh pulled his car God. in front of me where I could drive into it. Oh my God. And Dennis is like, oh, sure. I pulled in front of you so you could rear end me. And then Dennis is, and his brother just look at each other and then they both start to laugh in the same, same kind way. of donkey snort <laughs> cow labor way. And we even, I, I, I heard it and we can insert it here. <laughs> I thought we even heard like an elephant trumpet in there this time. I like think it was you're just right. I think you're yeah. right. I think I remember hearing something like that. And I was like, how would they even do that? But, anyway. <laughs> um, but all the guys from Cage and Fish are like, oh God, no, what have we started? And Ali's just like, pay him, pay him just to get him to stop. But it just keeps going, echoing from the room onto the rooftops of Boston. But I totally think Ali should pay up. Like maybe it'll teach oh, her sure. to be criminally violent. Like... I well, you you heard my objection. I definitely think she should pay him. Yeah, because I know he's just walked in with a neck brace and it looks pretty convenient. But right after they have the accident and they were exchanging details, he was moving his neck from side to side. So she should pay for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, teacher. Yeah. So back at the hospital. Oh, I shouldn't sound so happy. Um, <laughs> this is a sad scene. Um, yeah, so so back at the hospital, Ling comes into Marty's room where the doctor is is sitting with Marty and she asks if she can speak to Marty first. And uh, the doctor says, of course, um, and then John, Richard and Lucy kind of file in after Ling and Ling sits next to his bed. Um, and she holds his hand and she just looks really sad um first she says pygmy's got you marty um as like a a joke um and she sort of smiles sadly and then she starts talking to him in mandarin um and then she stops and she starts singing softly the song that they used to dance to um and then she just says i really hope this is the right thing to do um i know that you wouldn't want to live like this and she promises to watch over all the other residents. And then she asks if he can watch over her as well. And then she just takes a big breath and she gets up and she just touches him and kisses his forehead for the last time. And she whispers, I love you forever. And then she just turns to the doctor who lets the nurse come in and the nurse goes over to the machine to kind of switch it off. Um, and John and Richard are not knowing where to look as Ling just holds Marty's hand as the machine's beeping gets faster and then it flatlines and he's gone. And Ling is trying not to cry and Lucy's there too looking sad and John sort of takes a moment and Richard just looks away like he just turns around. And then we get the same singer from earlier singing um, They Were You again as we get a uh, a montage ending of the 
residents in the nursing home just slowly walking back to their rooms tearfully. And then there's a flashback of when Ling and Marty were dancing at the community hall, which then just fades into Ling walking alone down the street, um, sad. And she just sort of looks, you know, when you, you're numb and you're in shock mm. and you're sad, she looks like that. She's not crying. She's just, yeah. you know, numb. Yeah. Um, and that's the end. Yeah, see, I feel like that was like a, a lot better moment in regards to being mm. like a touching scene. Like, especially yep. like I liked the shots of all the residents sort of grieving, sort of clearly having... Yeah learnt the news like I thought that was yeah. particularly sad because I bought that he was like an important part Loved. of their lives yeah you know yeah and that he made their lives brighter and and more colorful like I bought yeah. that I I think um yeah uh, uh but yeah like um yeah and I did ending. buy that by the end I buy I bought that Lucy not Lucy <laughs> Lucy Lou that Ling um it's Lucy Liu's performance. She's done this lots of times with um, storylines where it's kind of like, oh, Ling has a soul. Um, she really does sell it in the end yes, uh, that you're does. like, you know, I care about this person, even though you've never met them before on the show. I know. Like, yeah. She's really good at that. That's the like kind of, um, you know, what I guess must be quite challenging if you're an actor on shows like this is that they're asking you to sell something like, you know what you mean you've I've never mentioned my eight-year best <laughs> yeah. friend Marty like how can that possibly <laughs> yeah. be like I talk yeah. about him all the time like, yeah know? like having to sell that kind of relationship in a very short time is yes. like really hard and it's made especially when you get when the, the bullshit is not yeah good. <laughs> Yeah, like that that accident scene was like it's yeah. To bring it back from that was quite a feat. Yeah. I have to say the the pacing of this episode felt very strange because we had this really emotional what ended up being a really emotional storyline with um Ling and it just kept being intercut with this absolutely ridiculously hilarious storyline with Dennis and Ali and I just feel like I know you need light relief sometimes when you have a heavy storyline, but it just felt really jarring. I yeah. couldn't even tell it in my voice where I was like, oh, this next scene's sad. I'm not supposed to talk happily because we'd just come off of this yes. hilariousness of, you know, the snorts in the air over the... And then it's like, oh, sad and someone dies. Like, do you know what I mean? It was just yes. like... Yeah. I it, found the found the gear changing... A bit... Like, quite... Like stuck disconcerting <laughs> yeah. disconcerting in this episode in a way that i haven't felt like that in other emotional episodes like, yes, like um, the one with Haley joel osmond and stuff like there was yes. a, there was a b storyline going on in that episode as well but i didn't feel it was as jarring with the heavy but also, stuff the thing with like ali's storyline is it i was surprised that it didn't get like wrapped up better like you know what i mean yeah like, it just that ended was the end. with her being like pay him, pay him, pay him, because she's yeah. just, like, doesn't want to hear him laugh anymore, which is, wouldn't normally be the end of that kind of storyline. Um, no. So, yeah, that that's a bit... So I guess from that we have to assume that she did actually pay up for... Good. ...for that uh, <laughs> incident, which, yeah, I'm, I'm glad of. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> my note here is, 
pretty much a quite racist episode all round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really, really uncomfortable from that yes, perspective. In that regard, um, yeah. Retrial. I guess it's, I don't know what Marty's last name was, but Marty versus the nursing home. Um, yeah. How do you find? I mean, ultimately, like, Marty was a danger to himself and others because he had these hallucinations. And if, you know, Lucy, the the person running the home, felt like um, they didn't have the resources or the expertise to, like, look after him, Mm. then, yeah, then he shouldn't be there. He should be somewhere else. Yeah. I like, think it was it was really sad. sad. It's really sad. And but I think you are right. Like, and Lucy was right. Like clearly he had psychological issues that were not being treated and couldn't be treated at the nursing home. But one thing I wondered, and I don't know whether you have any insight from working in nursing homes, but instead of just evicting him completely, um, could she have maybe assisted or supported more in trying to get him the help that he needed? Because it it did seem to me a bit like that she was like, well, it really sucks, but I can't help him. So goodbye and good luck to him. Do you know what I mean? Rather than being like, he needs this treatment. He needs to be, you need to be looking into doctors that specialize in this. Like maybe I can give you a referral or, you know, recommendation or some other people that other residents have used in the past or something like that that it just I, felt a bit especially if he hadn't had ling yeah he, he apparently didn't have any family, family or, like so no she was just gonna be yeah. like bye-bye yeah like i just yeah. felt like that was a bit i weird. don't know i don't know what it's like um in america um because obviously it will be completely different because you know american health system just is completely different um mm. but in britain uh, nursing a uh, 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 a care home will only offer like so much and that is completely dependent on the home like home to home it completely yeah, yeah. like they will offer a certain amount of care and if someone doesn't if someone needs more they need to go somewhere else like but I, and i get um, that like, i'm not saying uh, the, that that's not home, true the home that i worked in was actually a home where a lot of its residents were people who had been evicted from other nursing homes because they were violent. Um, oh right. So we were a nursing home, and I and I think like it's partly to do with um, yeah, what care can they provide? But also, I think cynically, I think there are a lot of care homes that really sell themselves on being like really lovely places, like really posh, you know, gorgeous um, houses with amazing grounds. And, you know, they'll charge people through the nose to have their their relatives stay there. And if a resident there is violent, they want to kick that person out because it doesn't fit in with the ambiance of the home. You know, you cannot charge loads of money if you're if if you're gonna say well you know there's a chance your relative might be attacked by another resident um yeah. you know what i mean so i i know i do and a i cynical side to it where it's just like no yeah you're not, you're not behaving the way we want our residents to behave so yeah. we're gonna kick you to another home 
who and I I agree you know, don't that, have that that I'm sure the the amount of care services that can be provided varies by nursing home and clearly mm. she couldn't provide the care he needed but what I mean is yes I agree he needed to go somewhere else but sh- and sh- that's what she was saying mm. but sh- there's no support in how to decide how to make that transition she was just like well you're on your own just find somewhere else yeah, rather than I being mean, like I these don't... homes specialize in your condition or this is a doctor yeah, to speak to or I, I, you know I think in real life that would be done like yeah. it would be like well let's have let's find who is responsible like a we need to figure out who is responsible for this man because he's lost capacity to yeah. look after himself and make um good decisions for himself because you know we can prove he has these hallucinations yeah. and la 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 so first of all it would be about finding out working out because they didn't do that with marty marty had to tell ling that he was being evicted yes yeah that's true like they told him get out without speaking to anyone else yeah. other than him yeah which i think I mean, is shitty that that is bad um yeah but i'm well i think maybe at that because the thing is at that point they don't actually know for certain that he has lost capacity like that has to be done properly. Like a doctor has to see you and have I agree. the test done to make sure that he has. Because uh, Ling's just um, the what is she? The something of his will. The trustee. Yeah, the trustee of his will. So that's different. That's not having power of attorney. No, so no, I get that. That, but... that doesn't. Um, but I think, like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that he should have someone it on file who like clearly he's in a home because he he, they should have yeah they should have a contact number for someone for him to he's not living independently therefore he needs support to go from one facility to another it's bad that she only learned that from him when he chose to tell her um Yeah. yeah so in the real world like uh, Ling would have been told about this and then yeah I believe they would have gone through the available options, options. for him yeah it wouldn't that was just the thing be like you're just... out on your ear work it well, out yeah that was a bit to me yeah. like I agreed with Lucy that he probably can't stay there anymore but I just felt you still have a bit of a duty of care yes you absolutely. can't just be like well no, bye but I <laughs> think it's, it's purely because that wouldn't work with the the plot of the show the whole point yeah. is that they need they needed marty to be out on the street with ling so that yeah. he can run into traffic like yeah yeah so of course, yeah yeah like that's not gonna happen if he's been yeah. properly looked after yeah <laughs> poor marty he deserved more um okay verdict of the week the jury's back who do uh, you find so i'm gonna find <laughs> the pygmies are innocent. <laughs> like, yeah! Oh, good. I just think even, like, when they are figments of a character's imagination, they really don't deserve to be made to look no. monstrous. Like, no. it's a really, really bad move by the show to do that really to bad. a real yeah. group of people. Like, um, yeah. 
this show, sh- this episode should have been called In Search of Pygmy's Dignity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because <laughs> it was, here. yeah, atrocious. I was going to say, it was absolutely atrocious. Nobody thought about that. So, right. Um, good. Um, I've given Ling a not guilty because I just really like episodes like this. Whenever she shows compassion or the show lets her show compassion like this it just reminds me of what a wonderful character she is and how layered she can be you know underneath that seemingly kind of harsh brusque exterior she really you know when she cares about you she would do anything for you and yes she didn't have long to kind of sell it as we talked about Mm. but she did in the end and it really melted my heart you know I had a little tear in my eye when she was saying (laughs) goodbye to Marty so um I just think she's great so yeah there you go yeah so that was a an odd one an episode of ups and downs (laughs) yeah <laughs> what did you guys think? Were you a Marty and Ling fan, or um, you know, what did you think of the ridiculous laugh of Dennis and <laughs> Ali's uh, situation? Let us know. We are on um, Facebook and Twitter at Bygones Podcast. We are on Instagram at Bygones Pod, and you can email us as always on Bygones Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, but until next time. Bygones! Once upon a time, a girl with moonlight in her eyes put her hand in mine and said she loved me so. But that was once upon a time.